Welcome back to the Foul Balls podcast for April 12th, 2018. And a really small slate for Matt and I to talk about. It's only four games, which I, I do think changes the strategy a little bit because sometimes with a bigger slate like we had on Wednesday night, I'll, I'll, the goal is really just let's just roster the best players because they're the best players and the ownership doesn't really get quite as concentrated, even though we did see Mike Trout at 60% owned. But for a four-game slate, I think it's a little bit more important to kind of look at what's going to be the chalk. Let's try to be contrarian. Let's try to find leverage because a lot of people could be on the same place and we could see people like 80% owned or something like that on a four-game slate. And so for a tournament, it might not necessarily help us all that much to roster that player. So let's start with this. Matt, who do you think are going to be the really high-owned pitchers for tomorrow night? Well, Jose Barrios, for sure. I mean, he's the most obvious play. And there are expensive offenses, so it's not going to be the easiest thing in the world to fit him. Uh, But there are other cheap pitchers that people may roster, and I think they'll just do it just to fit Barrios in. Um, Home against the White Sox for a right-handed pitcher is as easy as it gets, and Barrios is 11000 I mean, reasonable price, I think. Uh, He's been really good to start the year. He's a really good strikeout pitcher. Even though he's young, I mean, there's downside in him for sure, but I think people will see the upside. They'll see the matchup. Um, He has the name value now after being good last year for most of the time he was pitching and to start this year too. So, I mean, Barrios could be 75% owned or more. Do you think that's reasonable or is that a little too high? Yeah, so I I think that... Let's see. I'm just looking through all the pitchers. I think think we're going to see him in the 70 to 75% or so range just because there aren't that many other pitchers to choose from. He's by far the best option on the slate. So I wouldn't fade him, but here's what I do think is reasonable to do. I think in some lineups, don't roster Barrios and maybe make one or two White Sox stacks. The White Sox offense is not good. So the the, the claim isn't that Barrios is going to have a bad game and the White Sox are going to destroy him or anything like that. But it's just that random things happen in baseball sometimes. Barrios is going to be really highly owned. Therefore, the White Sox are going to have almost no ownership on the slate. And let's say something goofy happens and the White Sox happen to score six or seven runs. That's very likely going to end up being the winning GPP lineup then. So I think it makes sense to have one or two lineups that are White Sox stacks as leverage against Barrios. But I do think just points per dollar, Barrios is the best pitcher on the slate. Do you think that makes sense? Yeah, here's the reason I don't want to do too many of the leverage lineups, because I think generally that's a really good strategy. Um, Even if you get the White Sox offense right, you still have to get the pitchers right to do well. And I don't really have confidence in any other pitchers. So, like, if there were other decent pitching choices that I felt were somewhat safe and you knew that if the White Sox did well, your other pitchers would probably do well too, um, then I would be more confident in hedging with some of those lineups. And I think that we could have a safe pitcher depending on the Rockies situation, which we'll get to. Um, But either way, yeah, I think having some exposure to White Sox stacks and using Barrios also in most of the lineups. I think that that's a sensible strategy. So I don't know. Would you use a White Sox stack in every non-Barrios lineup or would you have some where, I mean, maybe Barrios just goes like seven innings, two runs and only gets two or three strikeouts. I guess that's a pretty unlikely scenario. So would you either just be on Barrios or on the White Sox or do you think it makes sense to have some lineups where you just fade the game entirely? Yeah, so I think Barrios is going to be my highest-owned pitcher. And I, I do think that the lineups that I don't make with Barrios are going to be White Sox stacks. It's just not going to be that many of them, because I do think that Barrios is relatively safe and a, a safe and has a really high 
uh, floor and a really high ceiling. So I, I don't think I'm going to play like a ton of lineups for this slate, but let's say I have 10 lineups. It would probably be like eight of them with Barrios and then two of them as White Sox stacks. That's kind of where I'm thinking. Uh, and then one other thing that we need to go uh, talk about for just a second, because we don't have enough information on the situation yet. Gio Gonzalez is 10,100 and Charlie Blackman was injured today. Nolan Arenado and Bernardo Parra both got ejected while they were in a fight. So it's we could see potentially the Rockies lineup without Blackman, without Arenado, with Parra tomorrow. And that makes for a much easier matchup for Gio Gonzalez. The, the, the Rockies struggle against righties. They're generally pretty good against lefties, except without Arenado, that would be a really shitty lineup against lefties. So if we see all three of those guys out, do you think that Gio Gonzalez has a higher expected point output than Barrios? Um, I think it's possible. One concern is that the wind is expected to be blowing heavily out in Washington, and we've seen the over-under rise almost a full run already. It opened at 8, and it's almost all the way up to 9. So I wouldn't say that Gonzalez has a better mean expected output, but I do think he could potentially have a higher ceiling because you strike out enough batters, the wind is just irrelevant. Uh, the wind only matters when balls are put in play. So I would say that Gonzalez could have a higher ceiling than Barrios if he's facing a weaker lineup, uh, but his floor would be lower. I think his average expected output would be lower. He will be lower owned. I mean, I think that's a given. Maybe not at high stakes. So I don't know. Like I'm, I'm, I'm kind of toying with the idea of stacking a depleted Rockies lineup as a hedge also, but I think it makes more sense to do it at higher stakes where Gonzalez would have more ownership. Do you think that makes sense? Like, will sharper players be on Gio Gonzalez if uh, Arenado and Blackman are out? Yeah, I, I mean, I think the big issue we have here is there's just so many what-if scenarios here. Like, what stakes are you playing? What's the weather going to be? What's the lineup, like, lineup going to be for the Rockies? So... But personally, also, I'm not going to be playing at high stakes. So, and I think that the optimal strategy for baseball is just to play more lineups at lower stakes anyway. So that's what I would recommend doing. Uh, but I do prefer Gio Gonzalez to Barrios if we see all those guys out for the Rockies. And I think that it would also make sense to make Barrios Gonzalez lineups with a really cheap offense. Uh, I guess looking at the other pitchers, though, who do you think are the cheaper pitchers on the slate that make sense? Well, you had asked about ownership before we started, and I really don't know here. Um, I don't know who people are going to roster for cheap. I think it could be pretty spread out among the cheap guys. There's really no one that jumps out that makes any sense. I mean, Lucas Giolito, maybe, because he has some name value as a prospect, but I don't really think any other pitcher besides the top two will be 25% owned or more, and I think that's part of the reason why it's safe to assume that Barrios and Gonzalez will both be pretty chalky. But as far as... Guys to actually roster. I think that Sonny Gray makes some sense for 7700 That's just below the baseline price for him. And even in a tough matchup, I still think he's usable. Like Rick Porcello is more than him, and I think that's kind of ridiculous. Uh, tough matchup for Porcello. I guess there's strikeout upside against the Yankees, but I have no interest there. Um, so if it's, it's, if it's a pitcher from the Yankee game, I think Gray. But my favorite cheap choice is whoever starts for the Angels, basically. Um, and it looks like it could either be Andrew Heaney or Nick Tropiano. Uh, there's a lot of uncertainty with both those guys. I think both of them have had Tommy John in the past year. Uh, but both have also been highly regarded prospects at different times. And both have had some moderate success in the major leagues. So they're they're 55 and 5,600. Uh, the Angels haven't named the starter. But whichever one of those guys it, it is, 
Uh, a matchup in Kansas City against the Royals, that's as favorable almost as anything. So I think most of my lineups will look like one of Barrios or Gonzalez with uh, whoever this Angels pitcher is. Yeah, I'm just going on Twitter really quick because the plan for the Angels was to announce their starter after the game ended and the game just ended. So it's time uh, to announce the starter. Let's uh, let's see who it is. Yeah, they still haven't announced it yet. So liars. No dice there. Um, yeah, I agree with you. The Angels starter just because the the Kansas City offense is bad. It's going to be bad all year. The other pitchers who I think could make some sense is Rick Porcello or Sonny Gray. I lean towards Gray just because I think that he's the better pitcher. And let me check their strikeout numbers really quick. I. I I think that's that. Well, Porcello has been really volatile through his career of like getting strikeouts and not getting strikeouts. But I think right now, Gray is the better strikeout pitcher. And he's certainly the better pitcher overall. All right. So, Gray, last year, 8.48 strikeouts per nine. This year, so far, 10.8 strikeouts per nine. Obviously, much smaller sample size this year. And Porcello's numbers... Uh, yeah, Gray is definitely the better strikeout pitcher, and I think the Yankees also have a slightly better offense than the Red Sox have. Uh, the one advantage that Porcello does have is that he's at home, and yeah. So, and then I was looking at the Vegas line just to see is that any indication of maybe which one's favored, and it's it's a pick'em line. So, so no no help there either. Uh, between Porcello and Gray, I think I still lean slightly towards Gray. Uh, but I, I think that you could make a case for either one of them. Do you have a lean towards either pitcher? Yeah, it's gray for me, and I also think the line is just kind of off. Like, I think the Yankees should be favored in this game. They open at plus 110. The line has moved in their direction. Presumably it's sharp money, but the line is a little misleading for for Yankee pitchers generally because uh, the bullpen ability is factored in quite a bit. It's, it's kind of hard to say how much. Um, overall, though, I don't have much interest in either guy. I think zero in Porcello and minimal interest in Gray. I think Barrios, Gonzalez, and then unnamed Angels starter, those are the three targets that we'll both have for the most part. Well, for me, I just don't like Gonzalez that much if the Rockies have a healthy lineup. Yeah, so. uh, I guess it would be play fewer lineups and just use Barrios and the Angels side in all of them. And I guess Gonzalez would still be okay for the for the White Sox stacks. Um, but it, I guess before we get to hitting, let's cover this what-if scenario. If Arenado and Blackman are playing and you want to make White Sox hedge stacks, who are the pitchers in those stacks? Um, yes, yeah, so that, that makes it really tough then. Uh, what is, what's the pricing on the... Yeah, I mean, it, it would still probably have to be Gio Gonzalez because there's... Because there's so little, there's just no other place to spend the money, and the White Sox are so cheap. Right, like it would probably be Gio Gonzalez and Sonny Gray. Like, I don't even think you would be able to use one cheap pitcher, and because there'd be too much leftover salary then. Yeah, it would still have to be Gio Gonzalez. Um, maybe there's a way to do Porcello and Gray together, but I don't really like that combination all that much. So, yeah, it would be Gio Gonzalez and Sonny Gray. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I think so, and I think... It's probably also true for both of us that we'll have more White Sox hedge stacks if Arenado and Blackman don't play, as weird as that sounds. But those seem to actually be tied together because uh, we actually have better pitching options to make those stacks if uh, the Rockies don't have their usual players in. 
So I might I might not make any White Sox hedge stacks if uh, Gio Gonzalez doesn't have a good matchup. I don't know, but definitely less of them. All right, so let's move into the offenses. Uh, we obviously have already touched on why it would make sense to roster the White Sox. So in terms of offense that we actually think are in good spots that are going to score runs, who would those be for you? Well, there are a few. I mentioned the wind in Washington. Um, Chad Bettis is sort of an okay pitcher. Nothing special at all. His stats are all just kind of moderate. Uh, but the Nationals have a good offense, and with the wind blowing out, I mean, it's hard not to like Bryce Harper. Uh, Adam Eaton is hurt, so that actually makes him a bit cheaper. It also makes him a bit worse. But I think Trey Turner, 4,800, that's okay. Uh, Anthony Rendon's 4,500, that's okay. Ryan Zimmerman's really cheap at 3,600. He got the day off on Wednesday. So I think he'd be a really strong play. I think... Um, Maybe if Brian Goodwin's leading off, Michael Taylor. Uh, it depends if Matt Adams is playing too. But the Nationals don't look all that expensive outside of Bryce Harper. So I think that's a pretty reasonable stack. And they might have the highest expected output on the slate. Just looking at Vegas lines for confirmation here. Um, it's pretty close between the Nationals and the Twins. I know you had mentioned the Twins before we started. So the Twins probably are a better play because they're cheaper, and then I guess we'll get to the Angels too. There's no Vegas line for that game yet because of the uh, uncertainty with the pitching choices. But uh, just in terms of expected output, do you think it's Nationals ahead of the Twins, and then Twins maybe just for better pricing value? So I think it's the Nationals ahead of the Twins, but I think the Angels are up there also. And one of the other reasons I really like the Angels is because Ian Kennedy is really, really homer-prone. So Kennedy basically gets no ground balls. He's a fly ball pitcher, but also uh, 15.7% home run to fly ball right last year, 12.8 the year before, then 17.2 the year before that. So Ian Kennedy is gives up a ton of home runs. The Angels have a pretty good offense. Uh, Trout's expensive, but still obviously worth uh, rostering. Justin Upton is, what's his price? Uh, 5,100, he's also pretty expensive. Uh, but I think I think the Angels have the most upside on the slate just because the way that they would score runs off Kennedy is due to the home runs. So if if I'm ranking the offenses in terms of how I like them for DFS scoring, it's Angels one, Nationals two, Twins three. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of torn between the Nationals and the Angels for better expected output. I think the Twins are the better value of the three. Um, even though the expected output's a little lower, and we'll get to that. But Chad Bettis also gives up a lot of home runs. Like, he's not he's not all that different for me and Kennedy. Very low strikeout rate, uh, just below six for this year so far. He was just below six last year. Doesn't walk a lot of guys either, so he's putting the ball in play. He has kind of a modest ground ball rate. Um, I think the Nationals could certainly hit a bunch of home runs against him too, and the wind is blowing out in both of those stadiums. I don't really have conviction between the two offenses, so, I, I mean, I want to have stacks of both of them. Like, I, I think it, it is a really tough call who who should score more runs, but it does look like the Nationals are cheaper. Like, there isn't there isn't a value play as strong as Ryan Zimmerman on the Angels' side, uh, and the Nationals have less really expensive guys. Like, they, they basically just have Harper, Harper, Turner, Rendon, and then for the Angels, I mean, it depends if you want to include Otani, but Trout, Upton, Cozart as a core is more expensive. So I think I lean Washington just because of the pricing. Yeah, I mean, that, that's true for including the pricing. I just don't know how much the pricing matters when there isn't that many expensive pitchers to roster. Like, if we just don't like Gio Gonzalez that much, 
I think if the pitchers are, say, Heaney or Tropiano with Barrios, I just think price kind of becomes a non-factor. Yeah, but also, I don't think all of our lineups will be Heaney or Tropiano lineups. Like, I don't want to be all in on the one Angels pitcher, so I'd be more inclined to use the Nationals in the other lineups, um, and they would correlate more with Gio Gonzalez. The Angels would correlate more with whoever's starting for them. Basically, the way I stand now is that it's really close, and I want exposure to both teams because I, I think it is really hard to decide. Yeah, I definitely want exposure to both. For me, it would just be, uh, like, if I had to break up what I think my exposure would be to the offenses right now, it would probably be something like, uh, let's see, say 50% Angels to like 35% Nationals, like 15% Twins in, in terms of full stacks. I think something like that makes sense to me. What would you think of that? Yeah, I, I mean, I want the Twins in there a decent amount too, but it's also going to depend on the matchup for Gio Gonzalez. Like if Arenado and Blackman are out, which means we're making more Barrios with Gonzalez lineups, then we're going to need more savings on offense. So that's going to boost the Nationals for me. It's going to downgrade the Angels because they just don't fit as easily. And it's going to be a big upgrade to using the Twins offense because they fit fairly easily. I mean, the Twins, their two most expensive hitters are Brian Dozier at 4,400 and Miguel Sano at 3,900. That's significantly cheaper than both other teams. So it, it, I think the, the Rockies situation is going to dictate everything here. Fortunately, this is the first game of the night they play at 7.05, um, so we will know well before lock, most likely. The lineups will come out probably 5 p.m. Eastern or so, if not earlier. Um, so I, I guess it's just we're going to have to have contingencies for if, it, depending on how much we like Gonzalez, it's going to change which offenses we use. All right. Do you have anything else to add for any of the other games? Well, I don't want to ignore the Royals side of the game because – while Andrew Heaney and Nick Tropiano are interesting for their upside, um, they're not. They're also not particularly good, uh, and especially Tropiano against left-handed hitters with power like Mike Moustakis and Lucas Duda, who are cheap. Um, I think I would use them as plugs in the lineups where I don't use the Angels pitcher. Uh, and then we're kind of just ignoring offense from the Yankees-Red Sox game, which, I mean, I think is fine. Like, the Red Sox offense is moderately priced. They're a good offense. Mookie Betts is really expensive, but Sonny Gray is good and the Yankees' bullpen is good. So I don't want any exposure to the Red Sox, but the Yankees side of the game is definitely interesting because the Red Sox bullpen is awful and Rick Porcello is home run prone. Um, so if the Yankees score well early, then there's a ton of upside. We saw that happen tonight with David Price giving up four runs in the first inning, and then the Yankees ended up with 10 runs because they faced a bunch of bad Red Sox relievers. Uh, and I guess presumably the better guys are fatigued now and the Red Sox may have to use even worse relievers for Thursday. So I do want some Yankees exposure, but I'm not quite sure how much yet. Okay, so that is going to wrap up today's podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at GRMDFS. Matt's for handles at Preaching Sense. We'll be back for Friday slate.